So this is the first live episode for our free basketball podcast. If you do not know who we are, we are um, we're actually one short. That we are a trio. Other guy, Mr. Cody Holsey, he could not be on tonight. He is a manager of a restaurant in Kansas City, so I think one of his workers got sick or something like that, so he had to fill in, so he couldn't be with us, so he's pretty bummed out. Um, but uh, me and Daniel, we've known each other for a while. I think Daniel actually was an assistant coach to me and Cody in high school when we were in high school. Um, I don't know if that dates you too much, Daniel, but you're, you're not that much older to, than me, so that's not bad. <laughs> no, that's but. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, me and Cody decided a couple years ago, we were texting each other all the time about the NBA anyways, that everyone else has a podcast. Why don't we just waste our time and record ourselves talking about it too? So um, we started doing this a couple years ago and then decided to add Daniel on out of the charity of our own hearts. And um Signed him as a free agent, and we signed him for a long-term, like one of those Scotty Pippen classic eight to ten-year deals. So he's pretty locked in long-term. So good luck trying to get out bargaining out of that. Uh, but what we're going to do today, we like to have a lot of fun. But uh, for our first live one, we're kind of having Daniel labeled this as overreactions. We're kind of doing some observations from the early season, as well as player overreactions. So. Daniel, I don't know if you have some observations straight off the jump from the NBA. I know it has been a really weird start, more than normal. Every year, everyone, you know, starts kind of goofy. There's always a couple teams who surprise early, then fade. And by the end of the season, like, okay, we know who they are. Like, sure, maybe we shouldn't get excited that they started the season four and one and they ended the season, you know, 22 and 60. So, um, we're kind of in that, wouldn't you think? Or do you think there's, you know, the teams that are probably legitimately going to be there um, have started rising to the top already? Because, I mean, top of the league, you've got top five teams in the NBA right now. Philadelphia, and record-wise, Philadelphia 76ers, Indiana Pacers, Los Angeles Lakers, Orlando Magic, and the Phoenix Suns. You say the cream's starting to rise to the crop to the top already? Or do you think there's a couple teams, you know, in those top five, top ten and records so far that's maybe they're just showing out early and they'll fade late? Yeah, um, a couple of my overreactions and kind of observations uh, already. Uh, I, I'm looking straight at, one, the Orlando Magic, which are six and two. Uh, they're playing way over their heads. Uh, the Pacers are playing a little over their head, but I love this team. I, I think they have a lot of really good players. So I would say if I had to say anybody actually stays that shouldn't be there, I think the Pacers end up staying up towards the top and they take the spot from a Miami Heat, who I don't think will be a very good regular season team this year. Um, and so I think that the Pacers are the real deal and the Orlando Magic are not. Um other observations I've seen is everybody in the world loves Trey Young and thinks the Atlanta Hawks are amazing. Dude, they're not. They're four and four. Trey Young is foul hunting every single game. And I think that it's going to settle in because refs are going to get smarter. Players are going to get smarter. And I think that you actually see 
them fall and kind of stabilize closer down to a 7, 8, 9, or 10 seed. I think that's where they live. They're not going to be a top five team in power rankings, uh, which I think somebody put out today. There's no way. Like, get out of here with some Trey Young love. (laughs) Well, it's kind of weird, right, because – I think everyone kind of associates the Hawks with just kind of already an unstoppable offense, but they've already had like big duds. Like I think they've lost three in a row at least. Um, And those three losses have been the Cavs, the Knicks and the Hornets. So I don't know if they were sitting anybody, but I'm pretty sure Trey Young played against the Hornets and scored like nine points. So seven, maybe we were a little too excited about the offense just being a juggernaut. Now, this is the whole point of overreactions, right, is that we make these big, grand kind of uh, assumptions about teams for the whole season based off, you know, 10 games. Um, So it's not saying that the Hawks couldn't turn into that, but... From what I've seen from the start, I would agree with you. I think they are an interesting team, but I don't think they're going to be this all of a sudden um, they're definitely in the playoffs type team. I think they're definitely on the fringe. We know there's going to be two extra teams that at least are going to get in the play-in. So if you are guessing, Daniel, you if you had to pick right now, just a pure overreaction, would you say the Hawks are a play-in team only? I don't know. I think there's a lot of bad teams um, that are in the East still. I think that Washington, we thought Washington was going to be good. We thought Toronto was going to be good. Uh, Charlotte's kind of getting a little frisky. I don't know if you can say that they'll definitely be in because I think that Atlanta will easily jump over where Cleveland is right now and the Knicks. So I think that they could easily hold on to an eight spot. Uh, but I think they'll have to do a part of the play-in process. I just think they'll actually be the eight seed uh, before the play-in games start. So I think they'll actually be the real deal uh, playoff team. And I think they can hold on to that because I think they could beat these other teams uh, in a small series. Another team that I'm interested to talk to you about that is at the top of the league right now, um, surprised most, especially me, the Orlando Magic. Six and two right now. Um, but if you look at their schedule, I wouldn't say it was like a gauntlet to start. Um, they started, you know, open the season with the Miami Heat, beat them by six. That's a respectable win. Next two are against the Wizards. Then they beat the Thunder. Their first loss was against the Philadelphia 76ers. Then they turn around and lost to OKC and just beat the Cavs on a back to back. So, this is kind of where the overreaction part comes in, right? Like we see, oh, six and two, the Magic are for real. Unfortunately, we have the horrendous news that, you know, Mark Hill Fultz, who was having a really strong start to the season towards ACL, and he's done for the year. Um, the other guy who is out for this year for his ACL, oh, what's his name? Um, for what team? What was it? What team are you talking about? The Magic. Um, uh, Jonathan Isaac? Yeah, Jonathan Isaac. He's out. So they're already kind of thin already, and we're getting, you know, some overplay, some early season overplay from Fultz. Looking at the schedule coming up, they've got the Rockets, the Mavs, the Bucks, the Celtics twice, the Nets, and then they get the Knicks and the Timberwolves, which the Knicks early season so far, no pushovers. So 
with this overreaction to being six and two, would you say they're more likely by the end of the next two weeks to be 500 or potentially less than 500 by the end of that? Ah, man, um, I don't know about 500. That's a steep fall, but I know like uh, Fournier's out as well. Uh, he's had back spasms. They're, they're just – they're struggling. They're holding on. I do think they come back closer and closer. But they're going to have players that do step up. Cole Anthony, 100%, will step up uh, with the news of this happening. So I don't see why in the world – uh, they can't actually be okay. Cole Anthony is a very good scorer, and I think somebody that will be very good for them. Um, they're not looking to win it defensively. This team is not. Uh, they're trying. They're going to try to outscore you with uh, and be you know fast up and down the court with Aaron Gordon and stretching the uh, on the I guess on the half half court side with Vucevic being their center. They're going to stretch the court a little bit. I think that only helps uh, them in scoring, and so I do think that they'll be okay. I I picked them to be a uh, playoff team this year. I still think that. I still think they're 100% wow. a playoff team, uh, no doubt about it. No doubt at all that you think they're Landry Magic going to make the playoffs again. No doubt. I can spell it, but I'm not good at spelling. <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't sing the song, no doubt. Uh, but to me – if I were to bet on it, which I might, since Tennessee has legalized gambling now, I would I would bet that they lose the next six games. I could see them losing six in a row here. Am I crazy to think that? Dude, who do you think they're playing? I, I'm not even looking at the schedule and I will I will put my house on it. I don't you know, I don't have a big house, so I already told much. you it was the Rockets, the Mavs, the Bucks. Celtics twice, and then Brooklyn, which that should be one of the first game or first game or two that KD is back. They're so going to beat like the Rockets. going to be needing any rest. He's had plenty of rest for, what, 10 days, 7 to 10 days, whatever it is? I think they'll beat the Rockets tomorrow night. Mm, okay. Maybe we might have to make a secret wager on this after uh, – uh, well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Hey, yeah, hold on. And, and Eric, uh, with, with the lead, shout out the lead. We are part of the lead sports media now. Uh, so just um, if you're looking for good basketball content, uh, please check out uh, the lead sm.com uh, uh, on Twitter at the lead SM. Uh, just check it out. But uh, I think we forgot to say that early on. But uh, but Eric brought up a good point. They could beat the Mavs. The Mavericks are a one player team. Literally, they are they they had to have a forty point game by Tim Hardaway the other day to win that game. I don't even know what game it is. I, I can't keep up with all these games, but I know a hundred percent that they could beat the Mavs. I, I wouldn't doubt if they're what if they're eight and two. Uh, your secret wager uh, is not so secret anymore. You're broke, and I got all your money. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just saying, I I fully believe that they're gonna, if not all six, they'll lose five or six. How about that? Wrong. Uh, but I do have uh, somebody we could uh, bring up. Uh, Elijah, I don't know if you want to hop up here or not. I'm going to send out a, uh, a speaker invite real quick. Uh, but he wants to talk about Donovan Mitchell. Okay. Ooh. And we can kind of hit that. And if he wants to come up here, feel free. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, overrated, underrated? Or do you feel that we have him classified as an up-and-coming uh, superstar, up-and-coming, all-star. Would you go overrated or underrated with that? 
I'm kind of confused by your phrasing of the question. <laughs> because I'm so smart, I, I confuse you. If you were saying... Galaxy brain moved by you. Yeah, I'm so smart. Uh, so if you were saying that Donovan Mitchell is an up-and-coming superstar, right? Best player on his team, up-and-coming superstar. Would you agree with that statement? I would not. Okay. I think he is an all-star. I do not think he is ultimately the number one on a deep run playoff team. I think he can be a number one on what the Jazz are. Um, but you've already that seen first, already. That's a first-round exit team. <laughs> that's right. The only time that he's won, what is it? This is his fourth year in the league. Um, and it's not entirely his fault. I mean, the roster around him for those first two years. First year, he's a rookie. They beat the Thunder, which was Paul George and Russell Westbrook. So you can say what you want about that team. Um, second year, I believe it was the Rockets. Last year, I believe it was uh, – who was it last year? Was it the Rockets? No, Rockets beat the Thunder. Um, I don't remember. He's I only been in the league. This is this is his fourth year. Whatever. Um, yep. So I don't know if you can really kind of point to the roster as maybe something holding them back, but ultimately I just don't believe Donovan Mitchell is a guy that can carry a team past the first round. Um, and I really like Donovan Mitchell. I think he's a very good player, but I'm not sure that we see more from him. Like there's more to his game that we have not seen yet. So I think he's kind of already the player that we're going to see for the next, you know, six to eight years at least, you know, eight to ten years. I don't think he's going to have this crazy jump in improvement. I think his scoring could wane, you know. He's went from 20 to 21 to 24 points. I don't know if we see more than that, a 26 to 30-point score from him. I just don't see that happening unless they completely change the playing style that the Utah Jazz have, which I don't think they will as long as they're married to Rudy Gobert. Yeah, well, um, I, I think that his peak is not yet here. I think he's still emerging as a player. It's not that he's going to develop into this crazy shooter um, and he's uh, hitting at higher percentages. I don't think it's that. And I know we've talked about this, I think, on our last podcast or uh, when we did our team observations. Donovan Mitchell will become an older player. And I, a lot of times with older players comes, uh, you know, you being a little bit more wise. And so I think when the, the game will slow down for you as a player, the older you get, and it allows you to excel. And I think that's sometimes um, taken for granted. And so that's why a lot of times in your prime, people say you hit your prime between 27 to 32. You know, it's probably cl coming closer to 30, 27 to 30 area. Uh, but I think that he will hit his prime and I think he'll be a better player. I just don't think he'll ever be superstar status. And I think he'll always be the player who needs somebody else. And I don't think the pairing of him and Rudy Gobert will ever be great. I think I think they'll definitely split that up in, in probably about two years. Once a once Donovan Mitchell finally gets his first big payday year, um, I think that comes after. Uh, I think it comes next year. So I think that's when you'll start seeing some rift. Um, but anyway, hey, real quick. Uh, so I brought Zion up here. Or um, my thing is, he brought into the chat Damian Lillard going to Golden State Warriors, or does he stay? I've never heard that rumor. Ryan, have you ever heard that rumor? 
Ryan officially is dead. All right. Zion, please share your rumor that you have going on. That 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 is I've never heard this in my life, and there's no way Damian Lillard is going to Golden State. Oh no, it's um so I got curious yesterday because I looked I was trying to remember when he got drafted and I looked and seen it was two thousand twelve and then on the trending stories it was saying he wanted to was it a possible trade possibly for uh Draymond and I don't know how true that was or if that's like just something that started up. But that's what that's why I was asking y'all, have y'all heard about that? A trade for, for- Draymond. For Draymond, the guy who is literally declining in his career, there is no way in this world that Draymond for Damian Lillard ever happened. Draymond is quite literally prepping for his television career last year. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this man has already practicing on on CNC with Chuck and Shaq. So, that would be someone's drunk or someone has um, uh, has something over someone from blackmail or something because there's just no way that would ever happen. No way. Did you put your phone in your pocket? Because uh, we don't know where we were. Do what? Did you put your phone in your pocket? Because uh, I think you put us in your pocket because you sounded so terrible. Really? Yeah. Sorry. How about that? Now? Up. Oh, you sound great now. Uh, your voice, <laughs> your voice still sucks, but the 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 volume is great. Uh, I don't get why it's uh, damn headphones. <laughs> thank thank you, Don, for bringing that. I've never heard that honestly. Uh, that's crazy to me, and there's no way that I, I, I actually see that happening. I, I'm going to bring this up, and I know that you are the host, Ryan, but I kind of want to hit this real quick since we're talking about random trade rumors. Uh, does anybody agree or disagree? And, and I know Ryan completely disagrees with me. I absolutely think that James Harden will be playing for the Toronto Raptors this year. He, that is the team that James Harden is going to. Does anybody agree <laughs> or disagree with me? Because I've been trying to will this into existence for a long time. And now the Toronto Raptors are starting. Uh, is it one in six that they're starting? Yes. They have to do this trade, and why Why don't they? Somebody talked me out of it, but I'm all in for 100% James Harden goes to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, here's, here's a sneaky side that I don't think anybody else is thinking about. Would it be fun for the Raptors to do that? Yeah, probably. Why not? You've already started really, really slow. But if you're the Rockets and you see how poorly they've started – why would you think any of those players inside of your system would do any better? So I, I think that's a sneaky kind of side of it. Like, okay, the Raptors started one and six. They're trying to get better. So they're going to ship me some players that they know aren't good. That's why they started so slow. And I'm going to give them James Harden to help out re- to save their season. Uh, maybe I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But if you're looking at, if you're looking at your team as a Rockets, you're going to be getting back a Pascal Siakam 100%. Like, he's in the trade, no doubt. But you're also going to be getting first-round picks. You see you? that John Wall – yes, you absolutely have to. You're going to get first-round picks for, for Siakam and James Harden. They're going to have to throw in some other players. 
but 100% you're going to get draft picks. Why don't you go ahead and try to get some draft picks back? You get a young player in Siakam. Maybe Siakam, who is cheaper, plays well with John Wall. You add another player down the road, plus these draft picks. That sets you up better now than in the future. And if John Wall ever somewhat looks like John Wall, either you're a good team or you flip John Wall as well to get your to kind of do a hard reset. Like they have every excuse now. Daryl Morey's gone. The coach is gone. Why not go ahead and do a hard reset? And I think this is what's holding them back. And I think they're trying to hold on to everything they can before they kind of let go of, of, of James Harden. I, I think he is the piece that they want to make sure he moves next because they don't want to show their cards that they're actually kind of going to start tanking and not playing well. Here is my only caveat to that is you're talking about a guy who has been at least for the past three or four season, a perennial MVP in the conversation. And you want to give that up just because you need a hard reset. And the sneaky factor to this is you have an owner for the Rockets and Tillman Fertitta who has been majorly hit in his pocketbook by this whole shutting down, no fans, um, especially with the COVID stuff, all of his businesses are hospitality businesses. And he's going to willingly green light a reset and give up on his James Harden, his shining, um, you know, kind of his shining star for the past eight seasons with the Rockets. It's his moneymaker, James Harden is, and he wants to go for a hard reset during a hard financial time just because they need a reset and James Harden wants out. Thank you for seeing it my way. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, I also agree that usually, typically when these things happen and a star says he wants out, typically he gets out, okay? I just don't think it's going to be the Raptors. Now, I, I don't know if it's because of the players or the draft capital, um, but I, I think the Rockets want a couple pieces for sure, a couple actual players. I don't think they'll be happy with just Siakam and three first-round picks and maybe some swaps or something. I think they want additional solid players, and they want the boat. And I don't think the Raptors are in a position really to give that to them where it makes sense for the Raptors because they'll have Harden for what, two years? And what is the roster left over if you're having to unload two or three of your core guys? Yeah, I don't know. I just see that if you do James Harden and and Norman, I'm sorry, James Harden for Pascal Siakam and Norman Powell plus three first-round picks, it works out. Like the money works out. I feel like you get a, a good shooting guard to replace a good shooting guard. You have you have a player in Pascal Siakam that can come in and be your, you know, your second, your number two to uh, John Wall. And I think you have Christian Wood already there. I think that's a better way. And you're a decent team. You're obviously you're going to be on the a fringe playoff team potentially if John Wall looks like John Wall. But I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Just my thoughts. We move on. I was just thinking that. You, you, you take this thing back over. Well, I'm glad you brought, like, 
on the team observation stuff that we are going to get into, I had the Raptors on there because I have no idea what's going on with them to the start. Um, they're pretty poor on offense. They're not scoring a lot of points. They don't seem to get be getting any help from their bench at all. Aaron Baines has not been the frisky, fun Aaron Baines that you know we remember from the past couple of years with the Celtics and the Suns. Um, so, I mean, losing Ibaka and Marcus All we thought was going to be a big deal for them, and especially defensively, but it has really hurt them offensively. They just don't have, you know, past four or five guys, they don't really have anyone they can rely on to come in and give them an offensive punch. So um, is, do they probably make a move? Possibly. I just don't know what they would do that would actually help. I also have in the back of my mind that it's a veteran team with a really good head coach and Nick Nurse. And it, this could turn around, but when you look at their schedule, it is no cupcake coming up. Like, these are very difficult games. I just had it. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, next couple games, which, you know, um, may not seem like they're playing the future, you know, NBA champions, but they're not walkover games. I mean, they play the Kings. They play the Warriors. They play the Blazers. They play the Hornets back-to-back, and the Hornets have been no pushovers to start. They play the Mavs, the Heat twice, the Pacers twice, the Bucks. So it's not like this schedule lets off any. So I'm curious is if this gets any worse and they cannot make any kind of rebound or run at all by the end of January, do we see this team being sold off for parts? That's... That's kind of what I'm curious to see what they do because I said this last year in our podcast, you know, doing our team previews, you were the only one who was on them to actually be a high seed in the Eastern Conference. I thought last year was going to be the blow-up year, just with the age. And I thought for sure last year they are going to blow it up and they put it together and they were a two-seed, I believe. So it kind of th- seems like everything's kind of coming around now and this might actually be – the blow-up time. Is that, I mean, is is my crazy uh, to think that after seven games? Well, I was hearing something you said that I was right about their the team last year. I think you said that. It was that the exact words. I was a right. I was the only one that was right. Something like that. I'll have to, I'll have to look at the, uh, the transcription the, for the episode. To yeah. Make sure. It was something about Daniel is right about the Toronto Raptors. So <laughs> my thought is, why not listen to me about James Harden? He wants the guy. <laughs> this team, they just signed Fred VanVleet to 20, 20 average of 20, 21 uh, million a year. They have Siakam for an average of 30 to 32 million a year, depending on what year it is. Uh, Kyle Lowry is on his last year of his contract. So, I don't think this team gets blown up. Kyle Lowry is 34 uh, right now, and he's only going to get older because that's how life works. So, I don't know what you do, but selling this team off for parts, you have OG on a an okay contract. He's going to be making $16, $17 million a year. That's not awesome. But I don't know that you blow it up. I think you just kind of do a reset and try to get somebody else in for that thirty thousand, or sorry, thirty million 
that you're pay, that you're paying Kyle Lowry. I think that's what you do. If anything, they trade off Kyle Lowry to get back something for him this uh, this year. They are leading the league in three point attempts right now, forty three attempts a game. So they're also third in makes at almost fifteen a game. So it's not like they're starting cold from the three point line. Um, so that's it's kind of a concern. Like if you're doing okay from the three point line shooting at that kind of volume and you're still losing these games, uh, not sure how much better this can really get. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious. I don't know where they go from here, but do you have another team that is another early overreaction or observation for you? Um, not really. The main two I want to talk about was the Pacers and, uh, and the Hawks. Um, I, I know we didn't get into the Pacers a whole lot and we can't if, if that interests you at all, but I just think, uh, I, I just think that, uh, Sabonis is playing so well this year that I think that he is kind of willing this team to win, even though he didn't do a lot last game, uh, when they beat the Rockets by seven. But he is absolutely playing like a man this year. And I, I wrote down his stats real quick. Hey, Ryan, you got a lot of feedback, man. Put yourself on mute. Uh, uh, Sabonis so is, you know, 21, 11, and six. 21 points, 11 rebounds, six, uh, six assists. The guy is playing crazy over his head. Um, I think that's actually not uh, a true statement about being over his head. I think the guy is, is being a legit uh all-star this year and i think that this is just the start of him kind of breaking out and this is the reason they're winning so well so i don't know if if you like or dislike the pacers i think sabonis being a very good player helps them brogdon's played well oh the depot's played well uh aaron holiday's been okay miles turner is not scoring but he's doing everything else so i don't know what this team is made up of, I think they can easily be a first-round scare to somebody. I don't think they're getting past the first round or the second round, but I think this first round, they could easily take a series from somebody depending on the matchup. So I think they are the real deal. I uh, The funny thing about Sabonis, I think Sabonis has been awesome this year too, and you can make an argument that Malcolm Brogdon is actually the best player on the team. Um. He's averaging right at 24 points a game, seven assists, you know, four rebounds, shooting 60% effective field goal percentage to start um, for a guard. That is pretty incredible start. Um, and I know we're about to talk about some player overreactions, so I don't want to kind of tip my hand about this, but I, I always root for the Pacers every year, and they do it to me every year. I think they're this frisky team. That's going to surprise some people. And then they show up in the first round and they get beat in four or five games. Or they happen to push someone to six or seven, but the eventuality is always there. They're going to lose first round. So I'm kind of tired of just believing in them being an interesting team. (laughs) And I'm kind of to the point where I'm ready to see it. Um, I don't know if maybe that's too harsh since they got rid of Nate McMillan, who I've never been a huge fan of. Fine coach, but... Not like my favorite coach in the world, but they got the new coach, Nate Bjorken. I don't even know how – I could be butchering that completely. But 
um, seems to be a super positive coach that has already taken some stuff from Nick Nurse and implemented it with the Pacers. So they could be a funky group. Maybe they kind of turn into the Raptors if the Raptors fall off. But um, to me, the Pacers are kind of a bunch of medium all-star close to a borderline all-stars like too many chefs in the kitchen on borderline all-stars if that makes sense without like a true takeover guy um i know you like sabonis so maybe he is that guy to you um but i don't know i i like the pacers i think they'll be a good team but i know what's gonna happen and they will lose in five or six games in the first round to whoever it's matched up against. Shame on you. Shame. (laughs) But if you want to talk about players, um, starting to get towards the end here, give me a player that you are overreacting to. Wow. Um, The way you phrase that, I don't know if I need to say this player or not, but let me just say that the entire NBA is overreacting to the fan bases are overreacting to, and that is a hundred percent Trey young. Trey young is, uh, let me look, I think he's playing, uh, scoring 26 points. Yeah. 26 points a game, four rebounds, eight assists. Trey young is a small player, a small point guard. I think that he can be really good. I do not think that his teams can ever be that good because he is so terrible defensively that the first start that they had will be absolutely just, I don't know, they blow, everybody blows past him. Uh, as Maxwell said, the Hornets locked him up last night. I think he had seven points, I said. The guy is not a top player in the league. I think somebody rated him as potentially like one of the top three point guards in the league. The guy is not that good. And because he's so bad defensively, I think people will just run straight by him. And this Hawks team is very overrated. So that's my player that I think everybody is overreacting to because the dude is not that good. And in your definition of not that good, is it a perennial all-star? <laughs> Only because he's in the East, but I think that actually as the East is getting better, I think you see that changing because I don't think you continue to still see Trey Young unless it's the fan vote, which I know that's how a lot of it goes. And I know you know people like him, whatever. But once they figure out his, his whole looking for fouls, I think that completely changes. And I think that you will start seeing that shift. And then once that shift is, is kind of heading that way, it's kind of a tidal wave. And then the, the, the Hawks start looking, you know, worse. And then he's just not the player that everybody thought. He'll be an all-star because he's in the East right now. But if he's in the West, he would not make an all-star team. Would your perception of him change at all? Um, because already – He's already not shooting the ball as much as he was last year. A couple shots less already. Doesn't have the ball as much. Not near 30 points a game like he was last year. Would you change your mind at all if he did lead this team, take more of a backseat role, still as aggressive as number one score, but this team made the playoffs, say they're a five or six seed, 
And it's because of him directing everything, getting his assists, scoring when he needs to. I mean, he's almost at nine assists per game to start the season. He almost averaged 10 assists. He hasn't averaged less than eight assists per game in his first, you know, two years. So would your perception change at all if they actually made the playoffs and it was because he led them there? Maybe. Depends on how it goes because right now – most of his stats are coming from the free throw line. And I know that's the James Harden deal. And I know that's kind of what, you know, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not a big fan of Trey Young, but like he's shooting 30, uh, 30% uh, from three point line. That's just, I just don't see that actually being him as a head of, you know, one of the head point guards in the league. I just don't see it. 30% from three-point line is fine, but he's taking so many that I just don't know if that actually helps him. And because he's so bad defensively, that actually is just kind of crazy that that the people, you know, put him up so high. His assists this year have been amazing. And if he can learn to be a better scorer without having to look for fouls, I think that would actually benefit his game. And so I know that right now he's, you know, scoring, you know, 26 points a game, but he shot, he did better last year when he was not looking for, you know, for the fouls. And so I think that's actually hurting his game, even though his assists are up. I just don't think he's as good of a player this year um, until he stops looking for that foul. Because as Steve Nash said, that's not basketball. And I swear people have debated before about it, but I promise you that that whistle will start changing as the I'm not sure how much it changes for Trey. I don't think he's going to flip strategy at all until the refs actually change the way that they call basketball games, and they're just not going to. I mean, he averaged almost nine free throws a game last year, so I do not see him changing his game at all. Um, and I think he, or I think he's actually been taught to try to get to that line as often as possible gives the team a break for a second and it's just easy offense so it's guaranteed points i could see it kind of keep going um i don't know though i I, it's hard to say about trey because he is still only 22 um and i hate to be harsh on him for early season kind of stuff because i mean james harden has kind of pioneered the way um and whenever flopping became popular I don't know if that was with uh, Manu Ginobili and the Spurs or who is responsible for that, but he's just using strategy to his side, and I cannot be mad at it. Yes, it's not pretty. No one likes it. I, a lot of people uh, don't want to come watch a free throw shooting contest, and I get that, but if your goal as an NBA player that makes you 30 to $40 million a year is based on your point production and your team's winning percentage, and if getting to the free throw line is a better strategy for you to do that, then I'm not going to knock him for it. Um, so still uh, not a debate when we talk about comparing drafting him with Luca. Um, I assume you're still on the Luca train, right? Choo choo, baby. Choo choo. All Luca all day. Um <laughs> uh, but but I do have uh, something, a way to stop the Trey Young 
go around his, uh, his, his, I guess, you know, pick and roll guy, if you want to call him a blocker or whatever. As he's rubbing off of that, he gets by, just to explain it for the people if you haven't seen it, and he stops. After, the, after his defender comes around, he kind of runs up on him a little bit, and that's when he kind of just shoots almost like a fadeaway back into the defender to get that call. If players start coming around that screen a lot harder, he won't have to create that content or content contact. He won't have to create that contact really, because if you start hitting him harder, he'll rethink about actually doing that play. And it doesn't have to be dirty. You just play more aggressive with him. He's a small guy already. But if you have somebody come around that defender full getting up to full speed and you're chasing down for the block, yes, at first he will absolutely get a little bit more foul calls. He's already getting 11 free throw attempts a game. So, you know what, let's run it up to 20. Uh, but eventually he'll stop doing that because he's not going to feel too well uh, after the game. So I don't know if you like my analogy, but I think it's. Yeah, I 100% will always advocating for trying to hurt a player. Yes, 100%. <laughs> you. You're not trying. You're just playing more aggressive. We'll say. <laughs> it's not the 90s anymore, Daniel. Get over it. Uh, my player, though, that I want to overreact to. Do I still do I still sound okay? I want to make sure first. You sound good now. Somehow we go into your pocket and we can't really hear you, and then you pop out of your pocket and start talking to us again. But yeah, it's make, good right now. Makes no sense. Okay. Uh, player overreaction that I know is going to come back to earth. That is Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has started incredibly hot from the floor. His effective field goal percentage, 60%. I mean, this guy's shooting 41% from three, 55% from the field overall, averaging 26 points. He's the number two guy, right? And he gets the benefit of not being the guy that is keyed in on on defense. He is the secondary offensive playmaker past Jason Tatum and might become the third guy if Kemba or when Kemba comes back. So he is getting the benefit of an early season bump from not being the focal point of defenses. I still really like Jalen Brown, not saying that he's a bad player or anything. I think he's a fantastic player. He is a perfect role piece for this Celtics. So I think we'll make the Eastern conference finals again, but I could see him having a regression to the mean here. Not going to be a whole huge lot, but he's going to have some games coming up where he shoots, you know, four for 13, um, five for 17. Those games are coming. I don't know how quickly, but they are coming. So I could see him regressing a little bit in the next month. And I would not be surprised in the next couple of weeks when we do this again, if he's dipped all the way back to 22 to 23 points per game. All right. I completely, utterly disagree. Jalen Brown is absolutely the real deal. And I know Kimba will come back, but when Kimba comes back, he's going to have to know his role, as The Rock says. And he's going to have to shut his mouth and play alongside Tatum and Brown because Kimba – is not the player he used to be. 
They were winning in spite of him last year. And this year, when he comes back, he will be a facilitator only. And he will not be the scorer they used to be because now Jalen Brown is that guy. Tatum is their number one. And Jalen Brown will continue to keep going on this year. And he's going to have an all-star season this year, 2021, for sure. Yeah, I I don't want it to get to get confused. I 100% love Jason uh, Jalen uh, Jalen Brown, like I do. I think he's a great player, but I think that I'm having a slight overreaction to the start of his season, and I do not think it is sustainable at all through the next ten games. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going to see some. Uh, maybe for your gamblers out there, you might be looking at the box, to his game props to see the total points over under. I would start betting on some unders on those because I think they're coming. Um, do you have another player that you're overreacting to, good or bad? Uh, no, I do not have anybody else. Does anybody else in the discussion have anyone that they want to talk about? If you want to come up here, feel free. Uh, anybody that you want to discuss that you're overreacting on or that's kind of how you think is playing out of their mind so far. I um, do. I, I, I was ready. If I, I've got one if we're waiting for someone to top in. Ooh, um, and Eric just said Austin Rivers. Same team, different player. I was actually going to say Julius Randle. Mm. 23 points, 12 rebounds, 7 assists. Um, I know this, uh, uh, the Knicks have started – Kind of frisky, friskier than normal. Um, I don't know how you feel about R.J. Barrett and with Austin Rivers. Uh, but, I mean, Julius Randle's almost playing 40 minutes a game. And the fact that he has to do that kind of says that there's going to be a midseason regression coming. Uh, but I think it's been super fun for the Knicks to come out of the gate. I mean, last night, what they did to the Jazz was kind of, hilarious like the jazz were up by 12 at halftime and then i believe the knicks ended up beating them by 16 so uh julius randall's a huge part of that and i think he deserves some shine i think he has played well do i think that is going to be the recipe for a whole season's worth of success for the knicks probably not uh but i think it's fun that we should talk about and overreact anyways wouldn't you agree so he is their probably their number two player on that team. Why can't he sustain what he's doing? He's going to get the minutes, as you've seen, and he's going to get the ball. Yeah. If he continues to stay healthy, I think he's going to stay where he's at. That's the problem. I mean, the most minutes he's ever averaged in his career was 32, and that was last year with the Knicks. So now he's with Thibodeau, and he's already averaging almost seven minutes more. <laughs> And that potentially could get higher. <laughs> like he could be almost averaging 40 minutes a game by the end of the season. I wish it was sustainable, but he has an undersized forward that is pretty physical. That is a big part of his game. I just don't see how it's possibly sustainable over 72 game season. Um, but I hope it does because it's been a lot of fun to watch. I would have never thought. You know, the Knicks, I think we kind of picked them in our team previews that we did a couple of weeks ago that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst team. And 
to start, we kind of have to uh, eat some crow for that. But I kind of feel good about it going as we get further into the season. Any chance that the New York Knicks are a top five league pass team? No, not for me personally. <laughs> I, they're, 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 they're super fun, though. And I know that they could with Thibodeau. He's going to run the wheels off, man. He is absolutely going to play these guys. And they are going to eat it up because why not? They're young kids wanting to play. So I think that this could get pretty fun, especially for players that, you know, like Austin Rivers. He is, you know, not a great player, as you've seen on good teams. But on a bad team, he can absolutely give you the empty stats. And they will be fun. And he will, you know, he will play and talk trash. And, man, I think that is a fun team if they start getting to where they're consistent, but also just making sure they're scoring, you know, 110-plus a, a night. I think what's been fun about them has not only been Julius Randle, um, it's been the rookie, Emmanuel Quickly. I think if you're a Nick fan, I think they're pretty excited for what he's been able to do early in the season. Um, the roster still isn't great. I mean, Obi Toppin's already injured, um, so he'll come back at the, at some point, I would assume soon. Uh, but if they're already kind of frisky like this already and they bring back Obi, um, I mean, it could be pretty interesting. I The only reason I would watch it is because of R.J. Barrett. Because if we're going to, like, I know it's only R.J. Barrett's, what, second year, but I think we're going to kind of see some positive signs to what he's going to be for his entire career because he is getting the same kind of minutes that Julius Randle is. And I think that can only help him. Like you said, with the young guys, I think that's good that he's getting out there and getting the reps and sure. He's going to make a ton of mistakes. Every young player does even old players make mistakes. Um, But he's 17 points, seven rebounds, three assists to start. I think there's a lot of room to grow there for RJ Barrett. And if I know everybody's kind of um, that's kind of been the thing they've been mad at Tibbs about is overplaying people, uh, especially in Jimmy Butler's averaging, you know, like 42 or 44 minutes in the playoffs. But it's kind of fun to see that for a young developing team with a third round or a third pick in RJ Barrett you will get to see what you really have if you're a Knicks fan. And so I think that's exciting for them, and especially for Knicks who haven't had anything exciting for, you know, eight-plus years. So I don't know. I I wouldn't put them as a league pass team for me, um, but I, I will be monitoring R.J. Barrett, and I will be interested to see where they end up kind of at the halfway point. Um, did you want, does anybody want to hop on here? Do you want to wrap this thing up? I know you've got another show to get to Daniel. No. So what are your early observations on them? Hello. I cut out. I'm sorry. Yep. We can hear you now. Go ahead. What did, uh, what I cut out on? I'm sorry. Oh, they said I cut out. Uh, so the Pelicans, uh, Brandon Ingram, what do you think about him so far? And then what do you think about the uh, the Pelicans in general uh, to start the season? They're only 4-4. Four and four. So what are your early observation thoughts, Pelicans? 
So I actually like the Pelicans. They're Brandon Ingram. I mean, Zion is going to do Zion things, right? And hopefully his health holds up and he can be that 20 to 24 point score. I think Brandon Ingram is for real. Um, I love Steven Adams. I actually like the Pelicans. I think they're going to be a pretty good defensive team. I'm just kind of waiting to see what they're going to do with the offense because early signs from that have not been super positive. Um, I don't know how many times they've not broken 100 points. Uh, That might have just been at the beginning of the season. Uh, But they seem like a team that's going to play in a bunch of just really grind out games like they're going to kind of be a 2.0 version of your favorite grit grind um, era with Mike Conley and Marcus all and Zebo. like they're kind of built that way even though it feels like they should be playing faster I don't know if that makes sense or not yeah just looking at this team um, I don't I don't love it uh, but Brandon Ingram has been good. Zion has been very good, and he's healthy, which is the most important thing. But I'm just confused as to what they're doing with J.J. Redick. Like last game, he only played eight minutes, and uh, I've researched everywhere, and I can't find anything about him being hurt. So if he was hurt, let me know. But um, he's pretty much their main vet on the team, and he's not playing the minutes and not producing. Uh, so I don't know if – their their bench unit is good enough or deep enough. Uh, they have Jackson Hayes, who is you know just a second year player, uh, and then Nikhil Alexander Walker. Uh, he is main their main bench scorer and and bench player. So that means that the starters are all playing you know thirty two to thirty five minutes every night. So anything that does that scare you about a team like that who's really playing only playing eight players already this season so far. It doesn't worry me at all. Um, I just think they're an interesting team. Like, just to be honest with uh, everyone, that I've always kind of felt that a core of Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart just isn't a winning basketball team. Um, Everywhere, I know they've only been two places, but the places that they've been, they've not won anything. They've always been a middling team. Um, I don't know how much of that is on them or has it truly been the roster around them. Now, they they do have a former good coach in Stan Van Gundy that was obviously respected enough to get a job again. We haven't seen him coach a team in God knows how many years, but he has preached defense and they have had immediate results on that end. They do play defense. The problem is they just can't seem to finish a game I think they've lost their past two games when they've been up in like the past in the last 10 seconds or something so these are kind of growing pains with the brand new team I think it's kind of a miracle that they actually are four and four because I think they can only get better so I think they have I don't think they have like a super high ceiling but I would not be shocked if Zion is still healthy and able to go and play 31 minutes a game like he's playing now I would not be shocked to see the Pelicans make the playoffs. Are both of them All-Stars? Ingram and Zion? Yeah. (sighs) I would say Zion gets more votes than Brandon. Um, I wouldn't think B.I. is an All-Star again this year. But I think Zion will if he gets the minutes. Because 
every fan's going to vote for him. That's what I was going to say. He's going to win the fan vote. So I, I absolutely think he'll be uh, for sure a all-star just for the fact of the fans will vote him in. Uh, but I don't know if his numbers are going to be there. I haven't looked exactly what he's uh, what his numbers actually are. But I'd be curious um, if he misses this year. But I don't know who would you put over him. So I'd say Zion would definitely be an all. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. I mean, he's averaging 21 points, eight rebounds. I mean, just averaging, just being Zion by himself. He's on every damn commercial that the NBA on ESPN has. So just from the, the recognition of that player, people are going to vote for him anyways, even if they don't know what's going on. Like they're just going to see the highlight package of him dunking on someone or, you know, doing a sick tomahawk and they're going to vote for him. So I, if he makes it, you know, I don't know if you have to have a standard number of games to make it. I don't think you do, but I would assume Zion's an all-star this year. And I don't think that's crazy necessarily can't play defense at all but it's an all-star game who cares you want to see the high-flying dunks and have fun so (laughs) exactly so wrap it up for us daniel let's shut this thing down i know you got something else you need to do yep i actually have another show it's a wrestling show uh coming on at eight o'clock so if you like wrestling feel free to join uh uh, me and brian actually do that show together uh but i don't have anything else uh just like we said earlier we are part of the lead sports media Please follow us, uh, Free Basketball Three, on Twitter. Follow uh, at the Lead SM. You can also follow me at Daniel Greer. Follow me on here, but also follow me on Twitter. Uh, and then just check us out. We'll have Cody back with us. The trio is is a lot better than the duo most of the time. Uh, I'm usually the brains and uh, the better looking of the guys of the group. Uh, we just have Ryan on here uh, because his audio is so uh, perfect, and so that's the reason we let him <laughs> let him kind of lead us. Uh, but that's all I have. Uh, it, it's it's been a pleasure. This is our first one. Ryan just moved, so his uh, Wi-Fi and connections are a little bit spotty at the moment. He moved out to the boonies because he's scared of the city people, and so uh, now he's one of the country folk. So, uh, but that's all I have. Uh, thank y'all for hanging out with us all the time, man. Uh, Margo, Eric, Zion, Ethan, uh, and now Brian. Uh, we're about to do the show together. Thank you all for hanging out. Uh, Ryan, you wrap it up, baby. I don't think I need to say anything else. Um, yeah, pl- thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week. I'll figure out the headphones thing so it won't be a problem going forward, hopefully. If not, I'll actually get into some like bathroom, public bathroom or something. So there's some echoes. So maybe you can hear me that way um, instead of through my pocket. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, we'll see you next week, man. See ya. <laughs>